Hello and welcome to Wives and Knives, a true crime podcast with me, Danny Smith. And me, Kelly Lee. Please remember that we mean no disrespect to anyone mentioned in this episode or across any of the Wives and Knives platforms. We have an interest in true crime and related topics and whilst we may offer our own personal views on certain subjects, it is meant to be educational and as light-hearted as possible. The information we present is collated from research gathered on the internet and we reference and credit our sources wherever possible. If you've liked what you've heard and want to join in with us, Follow us on our socials, Instagram, Wives and Knives the Pod, Twitter, at Knives Wives, and Facebook, Wives and Knives Pod. We also have a little website where we post photographs and other information about the cases that we research. And this is wivesandknives.wixsite.com forward slash my site. Right, so, oh, 5p. That's how much it costs to make this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the budget. That's the budget. Yeah. Yeah. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Wives and Knives. Yeah, hello everyone. Hope you are keeping safe and well out there. And a special hello to all of our regular listeners. As always, we really appreciate your continued support for our little podcast. Yeah, and a big welcome to our new listeners as well. You are in fantastic company. So before we get into it, shall we have our usual little catch-up? What have you been up to? Um, so since we last met, uh, I've been doing some more painting of stones. Um, I went out-out and had some lovely food and cocktails. Oh, I'm going to Ambleside tomorrow. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm going with my friend Dawes. We're going for an amble and a bit of food, no doubt. Um, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I'm also about to crash a pizza party after we've recorded this. One of our younger listeners, um, it's their birthday. So happy birthday, Bootsy. Um, So, yeah. And what about you? Nice. Um, Since we last recorded, I've pretty much just been at work, to be honest. And then come home, done some tidying and gone to bed. It's genuinely my life. So yeah, but I've got a nice, really, really fucking nice weekend planned. Super exciting. I'm going out on Friday night and then Saturday is a little tiny but nevertheless amazing handy. So my like bestie is planned this weekend of activities. So we're going shooting, we're going like um, riding dirt things bikes and um yeah we're doing really cool stuff and we're gonna stay over so it's gonna be great sounds fun i'm excited for that anyway catch up done i am very excited about diving into this week's topic strong pun start my friend thank you well let's jump in and immerse ourselves in the world of vortex springs and cave diving so this week it's one of my favorite cases the disappearance of ben mcdaniel okay you really love this one I do. I do find it like it's so intriguing so 30 year old Ben was last seen in Vortex Springs Florida on August the 18th 2010 where he disappeared during a dive in an underwater cave yeah we mentioned uh, last week that we covered this case way back when uh, before we were a podcast so I cracked out my notes through the day and you know what I'd forgot that I'd actually included some other like other diving related cases when we first did it yeah so um, I've actually got a full um, file on Tina Watson in particular so I was thinking Ooh. that might be a good one for the fault yeah I remember Tina yeah so speaking of um, did you see that one of our lovely listeners had commented on a story that I shared in the group um, advising that it happened on her doorstep. Yes. Mm, I know, right? Hi, Sarah. Hope you're okay. Hi, and, Sarah. Yeah. I'm actually seeing Sarah in a couple of weeks. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Send I'll her, ask her about it. Yeah, make sure she's not completely traumatised by it. Nah, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, all, I'm already off on a tangent. Okay, um, so let's get back to the case. So diving uh, is obviously a very 
very dangerous activity. Um, more people die from sort of diving-related deaths than any other like sport. Um, yeah, this isn't an advert for diving. No, it's it? really it's... not. It's not. Um, I'm actually a certified open water diver, like, but I'm like a recreational diver, like a vacation or holiday diver mainly, and I'm quite happy with that. Like, not to mention that I can't afford to be much more. It's quite an expensive hobby. Speaking of, I think in there's an episode of Sinisterhood, and one of the hosts says it's for like rich white people, and it's kind of that level of, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Diet, yeah. Um, they do actually Sinisterhood do an excellent episode on this case um, by the way so it's worth checking out there is an absolutely phenomenal story about shitting yourself which links to our previous conversation before we started recording but it's the highlight of that episode I really love Sinisterhood they've got an awesome theme tune it's is it as good as ours? I don't know. But no, no, it is way better. But um, if you want to check them out, um, available wherever you get your podcasts, but they're a brilliant um, podcast. So, yeah, um, back to diving, though. The thought of cave diving for me, or even caving, actually fills me with absolute dread. It's just not for me. Like, I'm not particularly claustrophobic or, like, scared of small spaces, but I do find, like, confinement sets me on edge. Like, if I can't see an exit or, like, you know, like if I know there's no clear way out, that freaks me out. Um, what about you? What do you think about caving? Um underwater caving would not do would not be interested in um diving i would love a go at but i can't say that it doesn't scare me it does like not being able to breathe and having to control my breathing small spaces however i really like them which is i like that sort of feeling of almost like cozy confinement like i've done the um, float tanks yeah i think they're amazing i've actually done caving not a very extreme cave yeah um, the kind you do in the lake districts but where you have to like squeeze through yeah. little things and i quite enjoyed that so maybe it's it's more the underwater than the claustrophobia but um, when we were first covering this case back before we were a podcast I was really enthralled by it and ended up telling a few friends about it that I was working with at the time and the place that we were working had like a little um, like two walls with a little gap between them that went back a little bit so like you could just sort of fit one person in a little crevice a little crevice so to speak and I was trying to describe this cave network to them and I was like it's full of crevices like that and um it became like a thing that people would stand in the crevice like <laughs> Not, not jump out but like they'd stand and they'd be like hello <laughs> and it was funny but that bit of the shop got renamed uh, Ben's Crevice awesome. which is makes me sound very mercenary I think and um, not mercenary what's it like lacking empathy <laughs> but I think you had to be there it, it was amusing and there'll be some people listening to this who know about Ben's Crevice <laughs> I think I've got a picture of you in Ben's Crevice on my phone somewhere I think you yeah can. I think I have okay but like being in those like confined spaces like particularly for divers like you said I think is really really scary and I think something that strikes fear into the heart of every diver is like the thought of going down and never coming back up mm-hmm. um, just a side um, note to do with what you're saying but when I was learning to swim when I was little they'd put weighted hoops at the bottom of the pool and you yeah. had to go swim through the hoop or pick up a brick from the yeah, bottom yeah, yeah. and I hated that Right, okay. Like, I don't like my face being underwater. Right, but diving's probably not for you, though. Probably isn't. Yeah, maybe skip it. I'm a very strong swimmer. Yeah, I keep saying you should come while swimming with me. Yeah, I I can swim really well. Just, I swim like a a middle-aged woman, which is... Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm heading towards (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, well, you know, even I guess being a strong swimmer and being an experienced diver, um, you know, accidents happen and it happens a lot, as we said, in diving. But it's not just amateur divers who have accidents, experienced divers do too. Have you by any chance seen a film called Sanctum? No. I already I don't know why I even asked that. But it's a 2011 James Cameron film and it's about cave diving and it's worth a watch you know to give you an idea of I guess uh, well what perhaps Ben you know used to enjoy about diving anyway um, one of the stunt divers from that film a lady called Agnes Malauka um, probably pronounced that wrong but she's like a very experienced world renowned diver and she actually died not long after the film's release in a diving accident um, whilst exploring a new part of the cave um, and like in Vortex Springs where the majority of this case plays out 13 people died there like in the 90s alone you know so it's worth bearing that in mind and that's what most people actually believe happened to Ben McDaniel yeah this might not actually be a crime and more a horrible accident perhaps Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about Ben. So, Benjamin Wayne McDaniel was born on April 15th, 1980, in Memphis, Tennessee, to parents Shelby and Patty McDaniel. Um, And he was the oldest of four brothers. So, there's Ben, Tim, Brad, and Paul. And that's a very close knit little family. And he grew up in Collierville, Tennessee. Now, the family were affluent, and I'd call the house like a mansion, basically. And the boys had quite the privileged upbringing. And the children were all active, like they participated in rock climbing, mountaineering, and lots of other outdoor adventures. And Ben was an avid fan of water sports, and he was said to never be as happy as when he's in the water, and I can relate to that. He started off snorkeling and by his early teens had progressed to scuba diving and his first ever dive apparently took place at the Epcot Centre, which wouldn't have been cheap, I imagine. And he became certified as an open water diver at the age of 14. I've heard it quoted that he could, you know, he was qualified to dive before he was qualified to drive or something, you know what I mean? Um, And it was like a lifelong hobby for him and it took him on lots of underwater adventures throughout his young life. And as an adult, Ben continued to dive like when he could, but you know, life. Um, like he got married to a lady called Sarah and he built up a construction business um, as well as being busy with like other things he was somewhat of an entrepreneur of sorts like lots of irons in lots of fires and then in 2008 his brother Paul who was 22 at the time died of an alleged stroke and Ben had found Paul unconscious in the family home and he'd tried to revive him. And it's fair to say that Ben took his brother's death badly and, you know, quite understandably. And he struggled with the loss, as did the whole family. His parents, Shelby and Patsy, they set up a foundation which is still active today. And Ben became active in that foundation too, like raising money for the support into research and prevention of strokes. But life wasn't going great for Ben. So his construction business failed along with his marriage and he had an outstanding tax bill of around $50,000. Like he was in debt and he had to declare himself bankrupt. That's tough, so it's been a very shitty time. Yeah, absolutely. But Shelby and Patty, they like really wanted to help him out and they were very gracious and they took him in and you know, like I said, they're quite wealthy. So after a few weeks, they suggest that Ben take a sabbatical and they have a beach house at Santa Rosa Beach on the Emerald Coast in Florida. So they suggest like that Ben moves into there, um, gets back on his feet and, you know, gets like the rest that he needs at the moment. And also they'll like fund it all for him. So in April of 2010, that's what Ben, along with rescue dog Spooner, did. Wow, it's um, yeah, lucky bastard. What a privilege to be able to do that, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Like Ben's is being given an opportunity that a few of us probably would. You know what I mean? Uh, like his parents are offering to cover like his whole 
sabbatical financially mm. so no worries for him and it you know it suits Ben perfectly and he starts to revisit his old hobby of diving now Ben doesn't like saltwater diving so he doesn't particularly like diving in the ocean um, lots of different reasons that, for that it could be like he was a big guy so it could be about buoyancy um, saltwater sometimes like gives you a bit of a rash and stuff you know maybe it was just personal preference yeah. but um, he prefers freshwater diving and so he starts visiting Vortex Springs and Vortex Spring is in Ponce de Leon and it's like a small vacation destination about an hour away from Destin, Florida so it's not far from the beach house where he's staying um, and it's like there's camping there and you know like lots of different water sports there's zip wires and you know like it looks like a great place and it's a very popular resort in the area yeah. I think it's like the most like the number one um, diving resort in that area so yeah it reminds me a bit of the Delft to be honest but on, like the Delft on a very small scale to this but you know place where loads, like local divers would go yeah. but people would come and visit from you know out of the area as well yeah. loads to do okay so Ben starts spending quite a lot of time at Vortex Springs and he's doing some diving and perhaps like looking for more of a challenge than his open water certification offered Ben decided to try his hand at cave diving now to become officially certified uh, he would have required about two months of training and 125 logged dives with a qualified instructor or cave certified dive buddy but despite the well-known dangers of cave diving and the necessity of the proper training, Ben went ahead on the dives without it and solo. So he's doing this on his own in these tiny caves? Yeah, he's, he sh- you know, like technically he should be certified and going with somebody else, but he's choosing to teach himself, um, not be certified and do it on his own. So, yeah. So um, his dives are all like evidenced in his logbook. You know, lots of people saw him coming and going in and out of the caves regularly. And he liked this life. Like he got a new girlfriend. Things were improving for him. And it, it seems like he wanted to fully immerse himself in like, you know, a full on diving life at Vortex Springs. So he'd made friends. <laughs> Um, well, it's hard to say, uh, and I'm sorry for being a bit ambiguous, but it's probably worth talking a little bit more about Ben at this point. So good friends and old friends of Ben describe him as like being very focused when in pursuit of a goal, like headstrong, confident, and sometimes like a little bit cocky. Um, his parents like, idolise him along with their youngest, Paul, um, who, you know, sadly died. But people sort of around the springs and people in the dive community have described him as being like arrogant, inexperienced, uh, ignorant, a bit of a, I think it was like a blaggart, you know, which I, which I feel, or a braggart, like he, like he bragged about mm. diving and perhaps was, thought he was more experienced than he was. Billy Big Bollocks. Yeah. And sometimes he could be a little bit aggressive with it too. But I mean, that's just people's opinion. And as always, you know, we mean no disrespect, but it is important to get a full sort of round view of Ben because like how you perceive him potentially impacts on what you believe could have happened to him. Mm. So in early August of 2010, Ben visited his parents' house in Tennessee for a week and he told them that he was working on getting a diving instructor certificate to, like, in order to eventually start a diving-related business. So on August the 15th um, of 2010, he left Collierville and he re- returned to the beach house in Florida. A few days later, on August 18th, Ben went to Vortex Springs as usual, and he went there for a dive, you know, into the underwater cave, and that's 58 feet below the water's surface. And after resurfacing from this dive, he refilled his tanks at the nearby dive shop and spent the afternoon sort of alongside the spring on the banks, like testing his equipment and making notes in his dive log. 
Now, later in the evening, Ben entered the spring just before sunset. So this is around sort of like quarter past seven, I think, in the evening. And he was unaccompanied by a dive buddy. Now, on his way into the cave, he was actually passed by two divers on the way out. And one of them was a commercial diver who was actually working for Vortex Spring at the time. And this guy's called Eduardo Turan. And he'd actually come to know Ben sort of in the recent like months leading up to his disappearance because he'd noted that he was a regular diver at, at Vortex and you know he'd seen him around and he'd actually seen him gaining access to the cave by jimmying the lock gate that separates the cave from like the other common diving areas of the spring. And this gate's under the water, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah. yeah. Just yeah. so we've got visual. Yeah. It's not like him. A physical gate on land that separates the spring from the exactly. system. It's like an underwater gate. Exactly. Because only, and it's locked, because only cave certified divers are allowed to go through that gate yeah. for good reason. And when you go and check in at the dive shop, you show your certification and they give you the key. So then you can unlock it and go through and dive in the dangerous parts of the of the cave. Um, but obviously, Ben was not that guy. And so it actually turned out that, as I said, Eduardo was aware that Ben was gaining access to the restricted parts. Um, and this particular day in August, for whatever reason Eduardo actually turned around and he unlocked the gate for Ben and Ben began descending for his dive so on previous dives Eduardo would sometimes wait like for the sight of Ben's bubbles at the surface as like an indication that he was you know decompressing and surfacing and that he was okay um, but on this day Eduardo and the other diver they didn't wait around to see those bubbles and I guess at this point we don't even know if there were any because Ben never returned to the beach house and he's not been heard from again. So two days later, on August the 20th, employees from the dive shop, which was actually Eduardo, noticed that Ben's GMC pickup truck was still parked in the parking lot. And they were a bit like, oh, hang on, we've not seen him since he went down for that dive. So Eduardo rang the Holmes County Sheriff's Office. Now, a call went out um, to local cave divers and, you know, any other divers that might be able to help in the surrounding area. And it basically, you know, said there's a diver missing. And unfortunately, I think 90% of the time, it's not a rescue mission, it's a recovery mission at this point. So three teams of 16 divers, they accepted the call and they searched for Ben and they searched for him for 36 consecutive days. Now they found no indication that he had drowned in the cave or in the surrounding springs. Every crevice and opening of that cave was searched with the exception of a constricted dangerous area like in the rear of the cave that even highly experienced expert divers had encountered difficulty entering. So the owner of Cave Adventures, um, Ed Sorensen, who is a very famous world-renowned cave diver and rescue diver, he has a dive shop that's sort of like about an hour away from Vortex Spring. And I think he was, if memory serves, he was like on a yacht somewhere. His wife texted him and was like, oh, this has happened. And he was like, I'm coming home, honey. So anyway... He actually you know, came back and he went to Vortex Springs and he made his way into the area in three attempts and he found no evidence that any divers had been in there. So with the effort that it took to, for, for Ed to gain entry, he speculated that a diver of Ben's stature, now Ben was a big guy, like over six feet tall and 210 pounds, he speculated that somebody that size would not have been able to get like proper access into that further restriction. Yeah, so if he couldn't, if like he's a lot smaller, yeah, he couldn't have even got in there. He's not going to have got in there and got into trouble because he couldn't get in there. 
possibly yeah that's what Ed's saying he yeah. doesn't he doesn't think that he got in there um, so like I said bearing in mind Ed is a world renowned cave diver and he still to this day maintains that Ben is not in the cave and another diver Kevin Carlisle who was actually one of the cave divers who searched for Ben um, I've got a quote from him here he says we may never know the truth of where he is but we do know where he isn't and that is because of a lot of talented and qualified divers so no evidence was found in the cave that would suggest that Ben was in there, if that makes sense. But there were some very odd clues. So full air tanks were discovered outside like the entrance of the cave, so outside the gate, which is quite confusing for two reasons. So the first one is, is that the tanks were filled with regular air, which is like the wrong substance basically um, is inconsistent with what Ben would have needed um, and presumably he'd been reading up, well not presumably he had been reading up a lot about cave diving, like his parents and his girlfriend at the time both corroborate that he had lots of books, he was like regularly researching, writing notes and stuff so it seems strange that he'd take the wrong mix into the tank into the cave apologies secondly cave divers actually place these extra air tanks like along the way like so where they're going so they get somewhere and they need more air it's it's there like it, it would make no sense to leave it at the front of the cave and then go dive and you wouldn't come back to get it and then go back and do it again you'd take some with you before you actually yeah so yeah a bit odd and other questions were raised too like why had it taken staff two days to notice the truck despite it being parked like right pretty much right in front of the dive shop like you know how did they miss that and inside the truck was Ben's like wallet which had almost $700 in cash his cell phone was there along with various other personal effects and some maps and the last call that had been placed on the cell phone was to his mum and it was from the previous evening and she you know she I think there is a recording of it or maybe, or maybe I'm getting confused and it's a message but but she says that Ben's sounding positive and his usual self you know so strange so police searched the area around Vortex Springs they brought cadaver dogs in who'd searched the areas um, for hours and they did find the scent of decomposition like one on the bank and one in the water but nothing that warranted like further investigation so I mean people have died there um, and there was no sort of bacteria that they would expect to find in the water if there was like a body rotting there should we say and there was also like when the divers went in there was no um bottom feeders shall we say so you would expect if there was a body decomposing water you would expect sort of catfish and eels right. to be around so there was there was nothing to really suggest that there was a body there so Ben's parents, uh, Shelby and Patty, they attended all the searches like vigilantly, um, you know, like really hoping that one of the divers would surface and tell them that they'd found something. Um, but when that didn't happen, they actually offered a reward of $10,000 to any diver who would be brave enough um, to try and search out that incredibly dangerous, well, try and dive that incredibly dangerous passage and perhaps find Ben. Um, but that didn't really go down well within the diving community. Like they were saying that this could make inexperienced divers sort of push themselves for the money. And the, McDan the McDaniels actually raised the reward to $30,000 and sadly that's exactly what happened and a man called Larry Higginbotham lost his life and Ed Sorensen had to go back into the cave and recover his body like his family said that he'd been following Ben's story and he decided to just give it a go that's awful like yeah. I do understand that the parents were willing to do anything to try and locate their son but 
encouraging people who are inexperienced, who are going to be motivated by money to put themselves in such a position is not okay. It doesn't yeah. sit well with me anyway. No, I, yeah, I, I, I get it, but you know they they were warned by the community at large that this would likely happen and they just kept putting the money up you know but just a few weeks after Larry's death um, the McDaniels withdrew the reward their interaction with the diving community is perhaps what led Jill Hyneth in 2012 to produce a documentary about the mystery and it's focused like it's focused on Ben's disappearance and it's called Ben's Vortex and it's worth a watch if you're interested in this case for sure um, and Jill is a world-renowned cave diver and her husband Robert McClellan is a documentary filmmaker so initially Jill wanted to dive and film like within the cave system at Vortex Spring to demonstrate to the McDaniels like the inherent dangers of cave diving and perhaps help them to get some closure. But after reading Ben's logbooks, Jill discovered that he was actually mapping the cave out and he had made at least one dive to its furthest reaches. And so like it gave some credence maybe to what, you know, like what they thought like had happened to Ben like she's sort of confirming it for them yeah so all these divers were saying mm. he's not down there but he she was sort of yeah not that he's still coffee yeah and I think if you do watch the documentary there is a part where they find um like a spade and instantly the family are like that's Ben's we know it's Ben's but then later on like after the documentary comes out they, they do change that and they think it's somebody else like I must admit the family do change their theories a little bit um, as time goes by but you know no judgement anyway Jill explained to them her, to the family how divers can get really panicked and like possibly lost and how they can sometimes even burrow into the silt like and they're never found like it's I've got a quote here and she says I, I simply see no reasonable evidence that he is not in the cave so it's a weird one isn't it um, lots of people as you've touched on disagree with Jill they think that there is a lot of evidence to suggest that he isn't in the cave and that he is in fact elsewhere so it's probably a good time to go through the other theories now Jill's husband he actually well he helped her research Ben he spoke to the family at length and he floated some very different ideas and one was that perhaps Ben had had a psychotic breakdown and might have Compul- like compulsively decided to reinvent himself um, it was an idea floated on scubaboard.com and it has been banded about by several scuba divers who pictured the 30 year old sitting on a beach in Mexico or like working in the little dive shop but the sort of faked his own death theory kind of has legs because like he was skin like okay he's from a wealthy background but you know like there's a lot of debt there um, and he did want a new start you know he was quite clear about that um, and you know did he place the tanks there like did he set up the truck etc so did he even go in the cave at all well, there's a lot, isn't there? Mm. There's a lot of um, possibilities, but I just, I think it's so hard in this day and age to reinvent yourself and to completely go under the radar. Like, anyway, continue. I mean, I, okay, well, of all the theories, and we are going to discuss a few more, um, his parents, Ben's parents, believe that you know like he just wouldn't do that like he they said ben wouldn't be so cruel to do such a thing to them because obviously they've already lost one son um you know that absolutely devastated them i they think that ben just wouldn't do that to them like you know why put them through a fake death yeah son and they, and they were very close you know so uh, I've got another quote here from Patty and she says we know in our hearts that he would never have faked his death to run away after what we went through with Paul we know our son well enough to know he wouldn't put us through that again 
And Ben also had a dog, uh, a rescue dog, and that dog was left behind, you know, and Ben didn't come home. And I believe his parents took the dog in and looked after it. But, you know, like, again, a lot of people, it's like with Amy Bradley, you know, she just got a new dog, hadn't she? A lot of people sort of use that as the go-to for they would never run away because they've got a dog. Well, again, what if you got the rescue dog just to... Because it worked in the story. I don't know. I'm just speculating there. Okay, so another theory is, what if Ben had met foul play? So with all the experienced divers saying Ben's not in the cave, the family again seized on this, like, sort of darker story that what if he had encountered some foul play? So they actually hired um, a private investigator called Lynn Marie Carty and uh, they operate a business called Reunite People and they looked into, well she looked into the case and she gathered a lot of criminal records of people who worked at and were associated with Vortex Spring and that included its, its former owner, Lowell Kelly. Now, Lowell Kelly he had actually died under suspicious circumstances right so he died of blunt force trauma and it's alleged that he fell off like his balcony or down some stairs Um, and when he was found his friends in inverted commas slash employees actually I think they never put him in a bath or they put him on a sofa I'm going to go with bath it sounds better yeah and they left him there and so the next, like, they didn't get him any medical assistance at all. And um, the next day, when they go to him, he's shockingly unconscious. And so they finally take him to the hospital, but he dies a month later. And this happened not long after Ben. This was 2012 yeah. that this happened. So the even more interesting little nugget about Lowell Kelly, though, is when he when Ben disappeared, Kelly was actually awaiting uh, like trial on charges that he drove a temporary employee into the woods, accused him of stealing thirty thousand pounds, well thirty thousand dollars, um, and Lowell then beat him with a baseball bat like badly. Now, Lowell Kelly pleaded no contest um, and was given a fine and probation for that. What a horrible man. Yeah. I was thinking it sounds like such a nice place. Like, oh, how lovely. And then, you know, it's being run by a fucking fuck. Well, this is... Maybe Ben was, you know, he wanted to immerse himself. Maybe he saw something. Mm -hmm. Do you you know what I mean? um, So, yeah, and... Lowell Kelly does say clearly he admits like on you can see it on Ben's vortex that he was in the office um, late at night on the same night of Ben's disappearance and he mentions like seeing a rough looking character who came into the dive shop and was allegedly talking about doing a late night dive and he describes him as like being unkempt and a bit like in inverted commas on something that sounds really convenient well yeah like make sure it's documented before I get bumped off um yeah and he also says that he remembers talking to Ben uh, and they'd exchange phone numbers at some point so yeah it's it's odd but I do find Lowell Kelly's death interesting so yeah, the investigator that the McDaniels hired, um, she's quite frustrated still. I think that authorities like aren't investigating it more. Like they're not even they don't seem to sort of consider that it could possibly be a homicide. Um, and I've got a quote here where she said, "There is just as much reason to look above the water for Ben's body as there was to look below it in the cave." So, yeah, I think we touched on it before. Like like you said, it sounds like a really idyllic, lovely, like, holiday spot and, yeah. you know, a place to go and do some swimming and what have you. 
Um, but then there is that possibly seedy underbelly of the people that work there and, and ran it at the time. Yeah, there was clearly quite a lot of sort of criminal activity or yeah, poss- things yeah. going on. But so I wonder, did did Ben, you know, piss off the wrong person or was he in like the wrong place at the wrong time? You know, did he possibly see something? You know, there's there's so many questions. And then something else that I want to touch on is, was Ben possibly moving in other circles? So not necessarily linked to Vortex Spring, but was he moving in dangerous circles? Because throughout this case, um, particularly looking at the McDaniel family, um, there's a big sort of... Brushing or brushing over of a lack of acknowledgement of Ben's surprisingly long criminal record. So this includes drug charges, like there's um, assault and threatening bodily harm, theft of property, possession of a controlled substance, um, oh, con- possession of a controlled substance with intent to manufacture. Um, deal and sell basically so there's quite a lot really yeah they were all they were all arrests and never fully charged so that's you know for a full view we've got to add that and there's other things like Ben as I said worked in construction and unfortunately he had left more than a few customers like a little bit unhappy with his work as well as some suppliers unhappy sort of regarding payments so I guess it's a good time to mention the McDaniel family here and the dynamic because, as I said before, it kind of impacts the way you could view this story. So they're a very affluent family and they've clearly got money and they love the children. But I do find that they're sort of like unwilling to entertain certain versions of events. And like I said, I think they seem to brush over things or edit any events that don't sort of support yeah, it's very it. rose-tinted glasses. It is. So, case in point um, is Paul McDaniel. So, Paul was the younger brother. Um, that died Paul, of a stroke. Yeah, that's kind of why I said an alleged stroke, because Paul actually died of a drug overdose. You know, so, again, that's never mentioned, and the family have set up a foundation, you know, to help, like, research stroke, uh, well, strokes. And I just think... As admirable as that is, again, that's it's a controlling um, narrative, isn't it? Yes, definitely, very much so. Yeah. So, and, you know, it makes me wonder about, like I said, the long list of criminal offences, the majority of which have been settled out of court. So I do feel like, as I I don't know for sure, but I do feel like perhaps um, Shelby and Patty maybe you know throw money at problems to cover them up so it's maybe yeah, it's the very same concerned about the reputation they are and maybe that's the same when it comes to Ben I don't think they're fully open to admitting that maybe he wasn't as experienced as he thought he was at diving and maybe he did just have a terrible accident down there Well, the police found no evidence, means or motive for foul play in Ben's disappearance. And he was declared legally dead by the state of Florida in 2013. So the circumstances of his disappearance, you know, remain completely unclear. Um, But Captain Harry Hamilton, um, he stated that there was evidence he entered the cave, but none that showed he exited. Now, in... In lockdown last year in 2020, a horrific storm hit the area and it hit Vortex Springs and it flooded the absolute shit out of it. So uh, there's videos online, I'll, you know, links to I remember you showing me that. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh my God, is something going to come up? Um, you know, but anyway, yeah, the storm destroyed a lot of it and it, it set the owners back a fair whack, I imagine. I was trying to find out what it's like now um, and all I could find was some videos of some people diving and the water looks like lovely and clear again so I couldn't see like like the full uh, renovation of it yeah. the site but it does look like to be back to normal but one thing that I was thinking as I said I just wondered if that potentially may have changed things in the cave like if it's 
you know caused any cave-ins or has it uncovered you know has it mixed up the silt you know and possibly uncovered something else but I couldn't as of today I couldn't find like a cohesive report about you know if anyone's been down specifically looking for anything or found anything yeah yeah so yeah so there's lots of theories to to get behind I guess um but for me like foul play is the one that I can't fully get behind like Lowell Kelly was questioned and while he may have had some previous bad behavior that doesn't necessarily make him Ben's killer I I would think like possibly if they if they found him and he died in the cave Lowell Kelly was on probation at the time so would he have been worried about you know like what the police thought would would he think that the police with his previous would they think oh he's like off the diver did it panic him and then they got rid of Ben's body you know and then did yeah. they leave but that's kind of like the only thing that I could possibly think of a motive like but I feel like surely it would have been cleaner to have just reported that to the police because it happens you know was it that he because Eduardo had let him in the gate you know was that the worry but like Eduardo was fully open about it you know even though he knew that that could basically land him in jail you know he'd let an uncertified diver in you know but he was fully open about it and Eduardo and the other diver the other colleague they both took a lie detector and you know passed but the McDaniel family do have an issue with that and there is some controversy because usually you're asked a certain amount of questions and they were both only asked like three out of 14 questions but for me I I genuinely can't pick like I can't I don't know if I think Ben died in the cave I don't know if he faked his own death I can't make up my mind it depends on what day it is to be honest I definitely think he died in the cave you do 100% yeah I think he was over ambitious um, a little bit it's, it's absolutely reeks of like being cocky thinking yeah. that you don't need to be trained the recommended way um, you can just do it yourself kind of thing and by no means does that mean he deserves what happened to him at all but it shows that he's a bit sort of careless in yeah. his conduct so him going a bit further than he should have or I don't know how diving works but his air was running low thinking he can push it yeah that kind of thing I bet he's the kind of person that drives around on fumes in the car do you know what I mean yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. just take it a little bit further kind of thing so for something to happen to him when he behaves in that kind of manner isn't out of realms of possibility and like you said about the big floods they've had at Vortex I assume that the constructs of caves and things like that it is organic and it is changing and yeah he's not a small guy and it's very unlikely that his body could be hidden by natural occurrences down there but it isn't impossible no exactly so that's what I'd lean towards 100% and they did send um, like little underwater bots down that's probably not the technical term obviously but like they the police did and i think the family paid as well to send some bots down to have a look in the you know like they they didn't go the full way because i think there was problems with the wires and stuff but they've seen a lot of it so you'd think that they'd maybe see some evidence of him being somewhere like yeah but hmm yeah for me like I, I do that's I completely agree with everything you just said and that's why I'm sometimes behind that theory but then there's the other part of me that thinks if you are going to like leave your cash and your phone um, and like incorrect cave dive maps in your truck in plain sight I find like that's a bit obvious like it I don't know it, it like implies to me that like he possibly was set in a scene 
I just just let me have it like and he did have a bit of a form for setting up like face uh, fake Facebook profiles for, like getting girls like and he'd go under a completely different name okay like I reckon like <laughs> 10% of teenagers have had a false profile at True. some point but they're not starting a new life somewhere but I think that he could possibly... I think it wouldn't be that hard for him to get a fake passport. He's got the money for it. You know, like, what? And he just, like, dyes his hair, buys a cheap car and bombs it to Mexico. I just don't believe that nobody would know, like, his parents. Because surely he doesn't have a lot of money. At that point in time, he comes from a lot of money. Yeah, true. He did... I mean, I don't know exactly how much money he had. I know that he was classified as bankrupt. But, like, yeah, he possibly could have some money squirreled away. Because, by all accounts, at one point, he was... Well, he was given his granddad's house, which was worth... Oh, no, no, he wasn't given it. So, his granddad's house was worth £450,000. And he... His mum and dad let him buy off them for $10. And then he later remortgaged it and then just, like, lived off that money. Wow. And then didn't have to pay it back now, does he? It is interesting. Like, I think yeah. he probably has better chance than the average Joe at being able to start over your life. But I still go back to... Yeah. I think I'm, like, yeah... I am more inclined to believe that he did dive in the cave. I just find it very strange that there's no trace of him. Um, And I do sort of feel like those very experienced divers don't think he's in the cave. Yeah. But then maybe he was in the cave for a time. And like you said, natural flows and stuff. Maybe he's moved somewhere or I don't know eventually we'll go into the ocean i guess yeah i mean whatever happened it's super sad for his family and it is a very very interesting mystery i would recommend listening to the sinisterhood episode just for the funny stories alone um although it is a decent episode regarding ben um and then i would definitely watch ben's vortex and there are lots of other videos of like divers that have gone into like the furthest restriction they have managed to do it um and there are other videos of like different areas of the cave so you know it's worth a watch yeah and even if you can't be bothered watching or listening to anything else just google the map of the vortex now like google the maps because it's fascinating and it gives you a real scope of what it's like yeah I'll put all the, um, I will put some pictures because I've got um, a really nice up-to-date one that's pretty clear. So I'll put that on the website. But yeah, um, check out our sources as usual. Yeah, thank you for listening to this slightly different episode because we're leaning more towards accident as we play. Yeah. Or not foul play anyway. I'm going to say not foul play. (laughs) Yeah, let's go with that. Well, I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. And let us know your thoughts. Next week will be a mini. And then it's going to be Michael Sam's. Ooh. And then we're going to take a short break. We are. Okay, so until next week, take care.